0: Melissa Bush is a practicing lawyer based in the southern suburbs of Sydney. Melissa started her law firm in 2003 when her oldest was just 6 months old. Her company focuses on the areas of business, property and estates law and since starting her business 19 years ago, she has raised 3 gorgeous girls all while juggling the demands of running her business and servicing her clients. Her girls are now 15, 17 and 19, so Melissa is focused on scaling the business and has created Business Know-How, a support hub for small business owners to learn about the laws of business. And Melissa's core mission is to educate business owners about the laws they need to know and use that knowledge to manage their legal risks. So in today's podcast, we talk about the legal requirements for setting up your business, protecting your IP with trademarks, and what to do if a copycat keeps replicating your offers, and common issues that arise when business owners haven't been proactive in protecting their business from a legal standpoint. Hello, I'm Donna Han, a business coach and an online course creator, and this is the She's in Business podcast. You can think of me as your business bestie, who's a few steps ahead of where you are right now. As a mum, fueled with ambition and determination, I've created and sold three businesses, I've learnt the lessons, made mistakes, and I understand the daily juggle and the hustle. I also know what it's like when relationships fray and burnout taps you on the shoulder. That was my world until I reshaped and transformed the way I ran my six-figure business. Today, I help women to transform their businesses and go from being the overwhelmed entrepreneur to becoming the thriving entrepreneur, feeling energized, empowered, and fulfilled within their business lifestyle. I want to inspire your business journey and help you to stop spinning your wheels because I want you to burn bright instead of burning out. And I'll invite other entrepreneurs to share their real life stories too, because I want you to know that you're not alone. You can be the savvy entrepreneur that you are born to be and enjoy the freedom to do the things and be present with the people that mean the most to you. So if you're ready to rise to the next level and build a business by design, this is the She's in Business podcast for mums who are made for more. welcome to another episode of the She's in Business podcast. Today I'm joined by Melissa Bush. Welcome Melissa. Hi Donna, thanks very much for having me. So I am excited to talk about all things legal when it comes to our business in just a second, but I want to hand the spotlight over to you for a moment
1: and I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Okay, so my name's Melissa Bush. I'm a lawyer practicing in the southern suburbs of Sydney, uh, formerly of Sydney CBD, We're in my heyday of being a senior associate working for bigger firms in the city. But then uh, as soon as I started having family, decided that working in the city uh, wasn't a good fit for my family mm-hmm. life, so decided to start up my own practice. And that practice is now 19 years old, just as the same age as my oldest. Wow. Order. Congratulations! Um, that's huge. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, over the past 19 years, it's obviously um, it had it's morphed through different uh, different um, sizes and gone through different stages as any normal business would go through. Um, but at this stage, um, it's myself with a small team. We focus in the areas of business law, property law, and estates law. Mm-hmm. So. On the business law side of things, I've just started what I'm calling at the moment a bit of a side project that I hope hopefully will become one of my main focuses as I grow the team back up. Um, But it's a side project called business know-how that Mm. basically I'm developing as essentially a source for. A source of for small business owners to um, to learn about the laws of business, learn about the laws that they should know about, they need to know about, and what they can do to uh, basically put. Um, systems, procedures, documentation, etc., in place, all with a view um, of avoiding legal issues arising down the track, and of yeah. course, minimizing the time, money, and expense um, that uh, that those legal issues often will involve.
0: Yeah, and the stress too, right? Oh, and the stress, so much, and the stress. stress.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah you see it on <laughs> you see it on business owners faces when they come in for an appointment and the stress all over, it and it's just all encompassing i mean you know as a small business owner your business often is your life like mm-hmm. you 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 sleep you know eat dream and and about it the the you know 24 7 basically 100 um, yeah <laughs> yep. exactly and and that's what um yeah like so that's what a lot of a lot of people that aren't involved in business that I come across that they just don't understand hang on it's the weekend why are you working on your business it's like well mm. because <laughs> it's my choice to I enjoy it but also you 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 yeah, you find it difficult to switch off.
0: Mm. So this is one of the reasons why I got you on the on the podcast is because exactly what you describe with business know how, I have listeners who are either startup businesses or mm. they are in that next growth phase of business, and. Yep. Sometimes we, you know, you don't know what you don't know in the legals around setting up a business and protecting mm. your brand and your IP, um, but mm. also making sure that you're not doing the wrong thing um, without realizing it. So, I think maybe it would make sense to start from the the, the startup sort of phase. Um, if yeah. we start there, um, so as a minimum, what do new business owners need to set up from a legal standpoint?
1: Basically, as soon as you decide that you want to start a business, um, you really need to decide what your legal structure is going to be. So, in its easiest form, a lot of people will be familiar with what with the type of business known as being a sole trader. So -hmm. that basically means you literally, apart from registering your business name, because it is—I should mention—it's a legal requirement for uh, if you are trading under a a name that is different to your own name, you must register that business name with ASIC. Mm -hmm. Um, But apart from deciding on your business name, you can start off as a sole trader, which means that basically you are trading in your own capacity you as the individual trading as your registered business name. So that means that basically any income that is earned by your trading activities, it is your personal income. So if you if this is a bit of a side hustle to start with, as as a lot of businesses are, and you still have a day to day, you know, uh, five day a week normal, um, normal employment, um, and you're earning an income from that, any income that you earn from the business will basically be treated the same as any income you receive from your salaried position. Mm -hmm. Um, So you you pay tax on that accordingly. Uh, But also too, not only is any income from your business activities, uh, not only does the tax office treat that as your own personal income, but also most importantly, any debts of the business are your personal debts as well. So if, for example, you were to incur a debt with a supplier, that's you, if for whatever reason you don't pay that supplier and the supplier has the legal right to recover that amount of money from you, then essentially that is your personal debt. And if you don't pay it, the supplier it would be open to them to essentially take you personally to court Mm. and get judgment against you for the amount that's payable and exercise that judgment and basically force you to pay that amount of money from your own personal assets. So your own personal bank accounts, um, depending on the amount of the debt, you know, literally all of your personal assets could potentially be at risk.
0: Mm.
1: Um, so the reason why a lot of um, a lot of business owners, when they start out, they often won't start out as a sole trader. They'll just jump straight into being a corporation and trading as such. The mm. biggest um, advantage of trading as a corporation uh, is that it's a separate legal entity. So you'll often see, you know, around around the traps, XYZ Plumbing Proprietary Limited. So that is a a totally separate legal entity from the owners behind that business. Mm -hmm. So if you were to set up a corporation, you basically would own the shares in the corporation and you would appoint yourself as a director of the corporation to manage the day-to-day affairs of the corporation. Mm -hmm. So in that instance, when you are trading under a corporate structure, if anyone was to try and sue the business, so to speak, to recover a debt, then they would be suing the corporation, not you personally. Mm-hmm. So if someone was to sue the business and try to get money out of out of the business, it would be limited to, say, whatever was in the corporation's bank account. Yeah. It wouldn't be able to, uh, they wouldn't be able to recoup any of that debt from your own personal bank account, for example. Yeah. On its simplest level, I mean, there are certain except, exceptions under the Corporations Act where uh, personal assets may be at risk, but that's you know, yeah. you know a, a discussion for another day. <laughs> it can get quite complicated. <laughs> I but it's, imagine in its purest it form, yeah, in its purest form, a corporation is a separate legal entity. Yeah. So any income earned is the is the corporations, and any debts that are incurred are the corporations as well.
0: And so if you're starting out and you're like, well, just to start, I'm going to go with the sole trader option. Yeah. Do is there is it very difficult to switch if you get to the point where you want to?
1: Um generally not, and a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to what what's the level of income that you anticipate earning um in the, you know, first couple of years. A lot of accountants will suggest, look, if you're only going to be running a small side hustle or a small small business operations, you may be best just to keep it simple and operate as a sole trader. Mm-hmm. But down the track, yeah, certainly um it's open to to incorporate your business. Yeah. So okay. Personal example, I incorporated my law firm's practice, oh, it's coming up to 10 years ago now, and mm. that was when I was at a point where I was taking on um, employing more staff. Uh, we were securing um, bigger um, commercial premises. It just made sense that the business was at that, that size, yeah. um, that it made sense to incorporate. So it just meant that the lease that I entered into for the new business premises, it was in the company's name, not my own personal name. Yeah. Any yeah. supply agreements were the company's name. Yeah. So it is easy enough to transfer those legal responsibilities mm. over. It's just a little bit of a process, but it's not yeah. that uncommon.
0: And getting advice from your accountant as well to make sure it's the right move for you. It would be exactly. too.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So when you, like, what would be the biggest mistake that you see when business owners come to you needing legal help? Are there common things that often present to uh- you?
1: Probably the easiest way to describe it is that a lot of business owners will come to me when um, when they've they're needing to react to an issue that has come up, they haven't yeah. been proactive about putting things in place to prevent that issue coming up. Mm-hmm. So probably the most significant um, past sort of client story that I always think about. and it sort of was the 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 drive to create this business know-how. Mm. Um, portal and 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 offering for clients is uh, there was a, a cafe owner that came to me a few years back. They were selling the cafe. They'd, had the, they'd owned the cafe for 15 years, uh, but they were selling, they listed it with a business broker. They had, had it listed for six months. After six months, they finally found a buyer for the business. They negotiated price, uh, discussed settlement terms, decided on a date, et cetera. But it was only then that the business owner or the cafe owner came to me and said, look, we need to get a contract together. We need. To, we know we need a legal contract, so can you please draw it up? Um, I should. It's probably a good opportunity for me to explain. Um, it's really important for business owners to realise that the business itself is different to the legal entity behind the business, mm. so particularly if you're operating under a corporate structure. So your corporation may own um various tangible assets. So in the case of this cafe, there's the plant and equipment, the furniture, the the crockery, the cutlery, the the shelving, the coffee machine, the fridge, and and so on and so forth. But then there's also the intangible, this, the, the assets you can't touch and feel. So things like your general goodwill, your employees, your supply agreements, your business name, your your logo for your business, etc. So there's all of those sorts of assets. And when a corporation is selling a business, um, um generally you need to specify well what does the business consist of so Mm -hmm. whenever you are selling a business one of the most important documents that needs to go into the contract is a list of all of your physical assets so your inventory so in this case for the cafe owner I had to get her to put together a list of everything that was included so Mm -hmm. all of the tables the chairs the as as I mentioned previously um so she didn't have that so the the buyer of the cafe didn't actually know with a hundred percent certainty mm. what they were buying. Now, wow! Um, so, because that's what I said to her. <laughs> well, what does your business consist of? And she said, "Well, it just it's everything." I said, "Okay, mm. so, um, okay, let's drill down on this. You obviously operate from premises. Where's your lease?" didn't know um okay you and i know with cafes there's usually a supply agreement in place for um the alarm system for the pest uh, pest control for the coffee machine for the fridges because fridges Mm. are usually provided by the soft drink manufacturers etc yes Um, yes couldn't put her hands on any of that so uh basically i had to give her some guidance as to what she needed to get together that all took time um mm. and during that time she was she was saying to me look the buyer is getting cold feet they're going to walk away and yeah, yeah so yeah they they pretty much the deal almost fell over because of the oh, time it took yeah. for her to and the, i guess the most frustrating thing about that situation was that she had actually had the cafe listed with a broker for 6 months so plenty of time to get all of that together, yeah. but unfortunately she didn't get the right guidance. And and like you said before, she didn't know what she needed to do. So you don't know mm. what you don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. anyway, I
0: often say to business owners, when you're starting and growing your business, always mm. grow it and, um, you know, maintain your records as if you're going to sell it one day, even if the outcome is that you don't, but, you're creating value for your business as it grows. Like I've sold a couple of businesses now. And um, as you said, the value sometimes sits in those intangibles like it's in Mm. the systems and the processes that you have in your business so that the new owner can step in and do what you were doing and make the same amount of money because like that's what they buy it for right is to make an income
1: yeah Yeah. but it's I mean it's good it's just good business practice anyway because another example that I can think of is uh business owners having a lease of their premises and not appreciating the importance of exercising their option to renew their lease. So, as you may know, um, if you're securing business premises, the landlord may offer you a three-year lease with two three-year options. So, after the th- first three years, you can decide. Yep, I'd like to stay in the premises for another three years. So, you exercise your option to renew that lease for another three years, and again, three years later, if you wanted to stay there. So, you're basically entering into a nine-year lease, but every three years, you've got the right to decide whether you, whether you want mm-hmm. to stay or or not. Um, so, I've had a number of Instances over the years where clients have come to me and said, Okay, we we leased these premises a few years ago. We think our option's coming up. Can you please have a look at it and and let us know what we need to do? Um, There have been instances, unfortunately, where they haven't exercised their option within the specified period of time. So a lease may say, You need to let the landlord know at least six months before the end of the lease as to whether or not you want to take on that extra option mm. period. Because from the landlord's perspective, they don't want get want to get to the very last day of that three-year period and then all of a sudden the tenant moves out and they don't have a tenant paying mm. the rent. Mm-hmm. So they generally require, you know, sometimes it's three months, sometimes six months or even nine months. They just need that period of time to be able to find an alternate tenant. Yeah if that tenant. And so uh, those dates are really strict. And if a landlord doesn't particularly like that business being in those premises, it's not the landlord's prerogative to decide whether or not to grant that extra three-year lease. It really is the tenant's right. So the landlord, in the instance of a three-by-three-by-three, the landlord potentially could be looking at having this tenant stay in those premises for nine years. Mm. So if that tenant that the landlord's not particularly fond of if that tenant misses their option period, then it's a perfect excuse and a legally valid reason um, for the landlord to say, "Well, no, sorry, you've you've missed your dates. Um, mm. You know, he, he will require you to vacate the premises at the end of the yeah. at the end of the three years." It's a good I mean, tip that to of to course. Be aware is- of. Oh, it is. And it's so whenever we, we look after leases for clients, we will at the end of that matter give them basically a checklist with all of the important dates saying, please diarise these. You must mm. make sure that you exercise your option be- between these dates. And, of yeah. course, I should say, look, you only get the chance to exercise your option if you are a good tenant and you are complying with your lease obligations. So if you're yeah. behind in your rent, you're damaging the premises, or whatever, um, the landlord has other other legal rights
0: if you're tired of spinning your wheels and you're hungry for success within your business but you wish you had clear direction of how to achieve it Well, very soon, I'm opening the doors to the Ready to Rise group coaching program. And it could be just the thing that you need to get off that hamster wheel and start making real progress. Not only that, but it'll also help you to establish a healthy work-life blend between working on your business, being present with your family and taking self-care time for you. For more information, go to donahann.com make sure that you sign up to the wait list to get early bird access and a stack of extra bonuses get ready to rise when i open the doors on tuesday the 14th of february now let's get back to the podcast a home-based business then what other things do you need to make sure that you have in place can we talk about like trademarks and making sure that you know you're protecting your
1: ip going off the back of what we were talking about with business premises and leases if you are operating a home based business the first thing that you should do is check with your local council as to whether or not there are any particular restrictions or requirements for where your home is located Mm -hmm. um, as to whether you can operate a home-based business so Mm -hmm. it's one thing for say me to pick up my laptop and take it home and work from my, my office at home. I, yeah. I don't have clients visiting me at home. But if you're operating a retail business, so I was reading this morning about a, uh, a beautician. She was starting out and she wanted to have um, her clients come to mm-hmm. her home. And uh, she was getting asking for feedback online as to what she needed to do. And a lot of people were saying, oh, you need to be careful not only about the council zoning issues, but also insurance. As well, yeah. um, because there's other requirements with that. Your your home insurance may not be sufficient to cover you for any business operations. Yeah. Um, so you know, someone could come in to get their eyebrows done and trip and fall on your front steps. You know, it opens up a Pandora's box, really, of yes potential liability. Um, But just going back to your other question about business name, et cetera. So when you're deciding to register your business name, and that's often, like I mentioned before, goodwill is a pretty important part of um, any business. Uh, There's a lot of goodwill tied up in your business name. So when you're choosing your business name, firstly, you need to really um, do some checks to make sure that No one else has a business name that is the same or similar to that business name that you want, Um, because otherwise you could be in a situation where uh, there is a well-established business already operating under a similar business name. And if you're uh, literally within, you know, the same geographic area, you're offering the same or similar goods or services, there could be an argument that you're essentially passing yourself off as being affiliated Mm. with that other business. Mm -hmm. Um, So the way to get around that for a lot of businesses that want to protect their business name is to register their business name and perhaps also their logo or even the colour and overall branding of their business, they register a trademark to protect Mm -hmm. that. So if you have a registered trademark, you nominate with IP Australia what class of goods or services you want protection in um, and then basically, you by registering that trademark, you get what's called a proprietary interest in that name. So that means that anyone else that comes along wanting to trade under that same name, uh, you can basically just wave your trademark registration at them and say, no, you cannot trade under mm. that name. Or if you come across someone that is trading under that name, and it doesn't have to be an exact same name, it can be a name that's similar. Uh, if you see someone trading under that name and you have that registered trademark, then certainly you would have every right to send what's called a cease and desist letter to them, mm. politely asking them to cease trading under that name and, and um, yeah, just reminding them of their obligations.
0: Yeah, because it's one thing to make the application and receive the trademark, but then it's another thing to actually protect it, isn't it?
1: Oh, uh, Exactly. Exactly. Um, that reminds me of an example where I did um, have a small business owner come to me. He had been trading under his business name for quite some time. He, um, he was approached by an overseas organisation that had a registered trademark for a similar name. Um, they sent him a cease and desist. So I came from overseas and he came to me and he's like, but, but I just, I'm, I'm a small business owner. I operate out of my garage at home. Why are they worried about me? And I said, well, because you know there is so much value, especially for an international organisation, there is so much value in their mm. trading name um, that they've got every right to try to protect it. And certainly, they sent in a cease and desist, and unfortunately, he uh, he needed to look at what his options were mm. in either. And in that instance, sometimes you won't necessarily need to change your business name. You could enter into what's called a coexistence agreement. So I've negotiated some of those for other clients where there is a registered trademark. Mm -hmm. My client's got a similar business name, but when you looked into the actual operations, the day-to-day operations of the businesses involved, they really weren't competing in the same marketplace. They're in Mm -hmm. different areas. There was no risk really of my client's operations impinging on their operations. So we basically Mm -hmm. negotiate what's called a coexistence agreement as the name suggests it enables both of those bodies to as bodies those businesses sorry to coexist within their respective markets yeah. um, which
0: leads me to asking you about like copycats i work with service and product based businesses but it's mainly the product based businesses mm. that will say to me oh there's this person who keep like I create something and I will release it and then 2 weeks later they've got the same thing out and it's exactly mm. the same like mm-hmm. how do you how, how can you protect yourself from that and your business is there much you can do about that it's, I mean it's, it's really endearing difficult, right yeah, <laughs> yeah. Endearing. oh look and that's oh. what they
1: say hmm. some yeah um it it is difficult because ultimately and i should preface everything that i'm saying by saying that i i you know what i'm talking about is just general for in general information purposes yes. only and and not intended to be legal advice There's your per disclaimer se. yeah <laughs> should have been up front. maybe you can cut the paste this <laughs> but basically if you feel that you do have a legal issue certainly uh, don't necessarily rely on general advice that you hear on podcasts or that you see online uh get expert legal advice and opinion uh that takes into account obviously your particular circumstances etc but yeah you do see that all the time Um, small businesses copying each other and just stealing their ideas so ideas is such a very difficult to protect so if you invent something like you know that you can get patents and things like that to cover off on unique inventions and patents are a very like they're a form of intellectual property, just like trademarks, but they are so. Um, it's such a specialised area that you you really need to, um, if you if you are inventing something, go and speak to a patent attorney or a patent lawyer. Um, not a lot of your, uh, you know. <laughs> I won't say run of the mill business lawyers, but um, business lawyers that that assist with trademarks. Um, not many will will delve into that patent space because it is so specialised and unique. Mm. Um, so, if for example, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head, if you uh, decided to open up a business and put together, you know, picnic boxes or something like that with all different types of food and, and picnic wares and whatever else. And, um, you package it up in a certain way and then someone copies that. Well, then you've got to, it really comes down to, well, how unique is that idea? And, um, it more, the, the thing that you really need to focus on is your branding as such. Mm. Um, so it's not so much the idea behind the product. Um, it, it's more so the branding that you need to focus on, and and yeah, I guess you know what because there is so much of it going going around, you often hear people saying, "Look, you know, imitation is the greatest form of flattery, and you just need to do what they're trying to copycat. You just mm. need to do it a million times better." Yeah, and exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. 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 We yeah. talk about um branding and how people are wanting to buy the brand from you because they like what you do and how you do it and it's not so much to get wrapped up in in the smaller details of someone copying you take yeah. it as endearing compliment and just keep keep working keep getting better and better at what you do
1: well if they're offering to buy your brand as well everything's got a price on it hasn't it yeah, <laughs> so, you right. know it's it's really no different to you hear people um, uh, registering unique domain names because even if they're not planning to use it, it's like, well, you know, down the track, someone will see this as a valuable domain mm. name and a brand, mm. um, and they'll mm. want to buy it from me. So yeah, the, the, <laughs> the concepts are not so, not so different. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: so one of my other questions I was going to ask you about is if you, so we've kind of talked about, that sort of startup phase a little bit. Mm. If you have been in business for a couple of years and you're like, right, I'm ready to grow, I'm ready to scale my business, Mm. take it to the next level. From a legal health standpoint, as in maintaining our own um, protection and make sure we're doing the right thing and that, you know, no one can steal our IP and things like that, Mm. are there things that we need to do to keep our businesses healthy from a legal standpoint?
1: When Firstly, just being, just being aware that you do need to keep a, a check on, it, it's no different to your own medical health, you know, mm. just, just keep an eye on things and, and whatever. And as you get older, there's different things that you need to think about. So it's, it's very similar with a business. So I guess looking at the area of employment. So at the start, it may just be you you don't have employees but then as you grow you may decide to then grow your team put employees on so you just need to get an understanding from the start as to what um, what is involved with putting an employee on um there's this Different things like national employment standards that you need to be aware of, fair work information statements, um, modern awards, all the rest of it, um, and that's where government websites like fair, the Fair Work website are really invaluable because they do have a lot of plain English, easy to follow guidance as to different things that you need to think about. Um, they're even—I'm just thinking of the Fair Work website in particular. They've got sections there dealing, you know, what does your issue relate to? Do you you want to engage employees okay click here do you want to deal with underperformance issues click here do you want to mm. make someone redundant click here and you know there's templates and guides and everything yeah it's the, an uh, amazing Work resource website. oh it is it is um but there's also two just general government websites like business.gov.au um and the the yeah there's a whole raft of them and they've Mm. they've all got good guidance so like in the employment space as you're growing sure, you you build your team you get employees on but then there may be underperformance issues and redundancy issues etc it's just a matter of making sure that if you are going to do anything that deals with um legal rights responsibilities obligations make sure that you're doing it properly Mm. Um, because again i've had way too many business owners come to me because they've terminated an employee um, and the employer has lodged an unfair dismissal claim. Now, Mm -hmm. from an employee's perspective, there's really nothing to to lose in lodging an unfair dismissal claim with Fair Work. It costs $77 to lodge the application and then it's um, for the employer to put a response on. It goes off to conciliation, et cetera. It's a relatively informal process. Um, so, yeah, you, there are quite a few unfair dismissal claims that that do arise, and so in that instance, small business owners will often come to me and say, "I've received an unfair dismissal claim. How do I respond to it, etc." And then, unfortunately, when I look at the claim, there will be allegations of the um, the termination or the redundancy um, constituting you know, perhaps not, it, it's not a genuine redundancy or perhaps the process wasn't followed. So there is actually, for small business employers, there's a fair dismissal code that should be followed um, mm. just to ensure that you're not breaching those unfair dismissal laws. Um, but sometimes too, with the employee making an unfair dismissal claim, often it will open up a p- bit of a Pandora's box again um, because there may then be allegations as to underpayment or uh, not paying the correct entitlements, et cetera. And so the unfair dismissal then only becomes really one part of an overall claim and and it could be quite damaging for the business owner. Mm. And again, it's a case of, well, you don't know what you don't know and if only that business owner had of got Good advice, or at least guidance from the outset, um, then those issues potentially could have been avoided.
0: Mm, Yeah. Mm. Mm, it's such a good point because and as you said the fair work uh website has got so much information Mm. that I direct business owners there all the time because if you can get all that information you can make sure your record keeping is up to date and you follow the systems um if termination is something that you need to be looking at then you know with confidence that if an unfair dismissal claim comes across your desk there's like little risk that it's actually going to eventuate to something yeah. if you've done all the right steps yeah
1: exactly and one little tip i can probably share is that if for example you are facing an unfair dismissal claim um it's one thing to go to the fair work website and look at their general information about unfair dismissal and the explanation of the process etc but if you actually search for the term unfair dismissal bench book it will give you the bench book which is the more comprehensive guide that the commission itself uses behind the scenes so to speak ah. so it'll be it's a lot more comprehensive uh there are hyperlinks in there um to cases that have dealt with different types of for example unfair dismissal scenarios so it's a lot more comprehensive mm. and it's less plain english so it is more legalistic, um, but it certainly makes for interesting reading. And just, if you are facing an unfair dismissal claim and you just want to get a a really good idea as to where perhaps you stand, and you may not necessarily want to get a a lawyer involved immediately or or at all, uh, because yeah, certainly you can be unrepresented in fair work. Um, It's not mandatory to engage a lawyer. Uh, But yeah, if you have a look at the bench book, that will give a lot of guidance. Okay, well. that's
0: a really great tip. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not all... just
1: unfair dismissal, it's all of the other different types of issues that Fair Work deals with. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But if you get into the bench book, you'll be able to see all of the different chapters in yeah, there. Yeah,
0: that's really great. Um, and so you've also got a checklist as well for business owners that you wanted to share, which I've downloaded and it's really helpful. You know, there's things on the checklist that I'm like, oh, I should investigate that and have a look into that one, you know, that yeah. you don't maybe think are the obvious things.
1: Exactly. It's 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 a bit of a prompt. It's just a it's a bit it's a bit of a prompt. It's it's um even if there you know because it it does cover quite a a broad range of areas um you know you may not have premises but if you do later get premises then at least it it sort of helps you identify the types of things that you need to Mm -hmm. think about when negotiating your lease etc
0: yeah awesome and so if people are wanting to download that do you have a link for us
1: uh, yeah, so you can just go to businessknowhow.com.au forward slash, I think it's LHC for legal yep. health checklist. again. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a number of checklists on there just to remember <laughs> the, uh, the actual URL, but yeah, LHC.
0: Great, and so I'll make sure that that's linked in the
1: show notes. Um, and so can people find you on Instagram as well? Uh, yep, yeah, we're on Instagram. I think the handle is business.know.how. Perfect. That's right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Well, I will link all of that into the show notes as well as your website. It's been a really interesting conversation. And I know that there may be other questions that have come up for people as they've been listening and now that they've got your contact details which I'll link sure. in the show notes they'll be able to get in touch but definitely download that uh, checklist because I thought it was really helpful as you said not just a checklist but also a bit of a prompt to go mm. oh I haven't thought about that I need to mm. I need to get on to that you know yeah. so thank you so much for sharing your knowledge no and problem. um it's been lovely talking to you
1: yeah likewise thanks donna
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the She's in Business podcast. If you enjoyed it, please share it on Instagram and Facebook. And I'd be so grateful if you could leave me a review on iTunes. Be sure to include your business name and Insta handle so I can give you a shout out too. If you want to know more about what I do, the programs that I offer, then head over to www.donnahan.com and follow me on Instagram at Donna underscore Han underscore S-I-B. I hope this podcast inspires you to be courageous and take action in carving out your very own business by design, where you can avoid burnout and shine like the universe is yours.